Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. Today I'm your host, Jay Ewing. I reside mostly on the Erie campus. We have the none other than the greatest pastor in Thornton, Zach. Hi, Jay. How's it going, man? I'm doing all right. <laughs> man, I'm glad you're 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 in the saddle with me today. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not big on explaining jokes, but I, I do want to try to save you from any hate mail. To clarify, I am the only pastor on the Thorn campus. That was that was the purpose of Jay's joke. I'm sorry if I ruin it for you, but if if you thought he was picking favorites in front of an audience, uh, I, I, I want to do what I can to rescue him from that. I do pick favorites. Well, yes, but you don't say it in front of an audience. <laughs> I, we're all human. We all have our favorites. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's so good. I didn't know this was going to be your intro. This is a great intro. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, uh, I heard recently, I think you told me this months ago, then I ignored you, and then someone else told me, <laughs> there's a new coffee roaster in town that does wood smoked coffee yeah so new in in typical thornton fashion i i love i love the city of thornton it is a great place i'm so happy we we live there and and we're we're serving uh, (laughs) people there it is super suburban yeah in, in that we have a very limited amount of privately owned companies so right. when i was driving past and i saw the name of this coffee shop that i was like oh, i don't know that coffee shop this yeah. is fantastic uh and then i looked it up and it's a massive chain from texas is it yeah i didn't know that either <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> someone hit me up on the podcast who's like jay have you heard of this place in thornton i was yeah. like i think zach mentioned to me and i just forgot about it yeah so what is cool though is they at least have a gather space. Mm. So uh, we we have a few coffee shops, well, a few massive chain coffee shops yeah. in Thornton and very little gather hangout spots. Mm-hmm. And so if I wanted to uh, not close myself off in my office all the time and like be around people who live in Thornton, it's a cool spot to, to get to work from while, while drinking uh, widely distributed coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I hear the angst behind the comment that you really would love an independent roaster. Oh, it'd be great. In your it'd be area. Great. Yeah. yeah. The clo- the closest thing we have is uh, Allegro has their factory there. Yeah. And they make pretty good coffee, pretty cheap, like for a pour over two. Yeah. Uh, and it's great until you remember the fact that they are the distributor for Whole Foods mm-hmm. nationwide. Yeah. So they are even more. <laughs> <laughs> so they look independent, but they're yeah. very much so not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. And uh, for most people that don't reside on the Thornton campus either, they don't realize that you have a, a great, robust love for hockey. Yeah. Uh, to clarify, I don't reside at the Thornton campus. Oh. I, I don't want to give the wrong impression. Where do you reside? Uh, I'm not giving my address <laughs> but, but you're making it sound like I live there. Well, like, you know, for those who... are cot in the corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's some weeks that probably feel like that, but yeah. you know... But you're an Avs fan from California. I, I am, yes. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I jumped on the bandwagon when the Avs won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, not this this Stanley Cup, I, so I've, I've gone Been through on. the highs and lows of it. Yes, you have. I jumped on uh, when I was uh, an eight-year-old kid in 1996. That's so fun, man. Yep. That's so fun. Now, there was some great hockey amongst 
California at that time. We had the Wayne Gretzky, right? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I had a picture of, of Wayne Gretzky's. The thing was, my dad was a big Kings fan, mm-hmm. and I was getting into that little bit of, like, pushing buttons, and cool. and uh, I was trying to find my own team, and, and I knew one thing and one thing only, that it was not going to be the Kings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. I, I got no ill will towards the Kings, but as, as an eight-year-old, I needed to find my own way, apparently. My son... T- Recently has done the same yeah. with our baseball. Oh, excellent. He, he knows that uh, from birth I was an Astros fan. Mm-hmm. So that means he cannot be one. Gotcha. <laughs> so, uh, again, uh, at risk of ruining jokes by yeah. over-explaining things, I'm not actually a baseball fan, yeah. so I don't actually mean yeah. this. Uh, are you sure that your son just doesn't have morals and he wants to avoid <laughs> cheaters? Is, you know, is that what it is? They, they, I've, I've told this story before, but I gave the Astros a one-year ban mm. after the cheating sandal came. I would not read any news, watch any highlights, or follow along at anything Astros for one year. Yeah. Little did I know that COVID was going to happen and baseball didn't exist very much. Yeah. So it was a, it was an easier year <sighs> than most to give them a one-year ban. But my friends, that February, I was like, hey, this is true. This is going to happen. Don't talk to me about them. I have no clue. I am just disowning them for a year they get a one-year ban yeah and everyone's that, that's harsh that's gonna be hard for you jay and then it ended up being the, the easiest, easiest, <laughs> easiest of all time. too bad i didn't get bread at one year ban in covid because yeah. that would have been helpful yeah <laughs> hey, uh, last thing and i think you, you'll like this one I, I told you my father-in-law just moved to what well, my father and mother-in-law yeah. just moved to the houston area they did yeah uh, inside the is, beltway yeah he's yeah. a he's a pastor out there and when he announced that he had some people in his church in, in the san diego area who were from houston and got him an Astros sweatshirt. Oh, yeah. uh, he is a lifelong, lifelong passionate Dodgers fan. Okay. And uh, he didn't want to disappoint the the people who got him the sweatshirt. So he wore it yeah. with a Dodgers shirt underneath <laughs> it. He said that was the only thing that could save him from the contaminants of that sweatshirt. <laughs> that's hilarious. Speaking of betrayal, that's actually a great segue into betrayal. Yeah, way to pick up on it. Yeah, because uh, this week we... In the life of Jesus, in the Passion Week, we come to some of the really most sad sad parts of the story, maybe the most disappointing parts Mm -hmm. of the Passion Week. And what do I mean by that? We find out how Peter is going to betray Jesus. We find out how Judas will betray Jesus, Mm -hmm. and we find out that they all betray Jesus. So you picked up on this in your message, obviously, um, sort of debrief for those who weren't in Thornton. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to your, your message, uh, which will be hard to do. We won't yeah. explain that. But um, how how do you see the text unfold for you in your prep this week? Yeah, just just one comment. It, it, it's it's a really kind of bi- uh, bipolar moment to where, yes, as we empathize with Jesus, it is devastating. He's been traveling with this, these group, uh, this group of disciples. He's closer to them than anyone else in the world. He's been sharing with them. He's been sharing with them that he is about to die. And in this night before his death, every single one of them let him down. And so, yes, it's devastating. And, and then it's also the hard part to where uh, we see that this is so encouraging for us mm. that that our entire salvation rides on the fact that Jesus goes to the cross in our stead. It, it's like Good Friday where where it's hard for us to get into that moment of recognizing the cost that Jesus paid, uh, this death that was ours that he took for himself, uh, the, the suffering that he goes to so that we don't have to suffer um, 
and yet all the while uh, recognizing that he has done that. Like we don't have to suffer that he has given us his life. And so it's that, that sitting in it of, it's a really tragic, devastating moment that is for our ultimate good. And it's an interesting place to sit in. But yeah, in this, in this night, you know, Luke 22 captures uh, Jesus final night on earth. He spends it uh, in a meal with his disciples. Uh, he describes his, uh, the significance of what he's about to do. And, and he gives uh, this incredible message that you talked about with Tom last week uh, about the Lord's Supper and how we, we remember and we celebrate what Jesus has done for us. And then immediately after that, all the disciples fight over. So which one of us is the <laughs> best? And Jesus just talked about how he's going to die for all of you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. But uh, aren't, wouldn't you say that I'm your best follower, Jesus? <laughs> Completely missing the point. Yeah. So yeah, he is let down. Judas is the obvious one. Uh, he's synonymous as as a traitor. Peter is always linked with, with Jesus' death, with his denial. Mm-hmm. Every single gospel includes it. Uh, but all of the disciples let him down in this most vital of nights, uh, fighting over who's the greatest, not listening to Jesus' message, falling asleep when when Jesus asked them to stay alert with him. Yeah, you, you mentioned something there, and we hadn't talked about this, but it sort of dawned on me. Is it is interesting that Peter's denial is recorded in all four Gospels, which show probably to the early church that it was very important for them to understand what Peter had done. Mm-hmm. Maybe, right? Yeah, yeah. So th- there's a couple things with it. Uh, one is is it is showing a Jesus faith in this man who acts so faithlessly yeah. uh, that he is is renamed. He's the rock on which Jesus builds the church. And it's, and it's nothing to do with his perfection, his sinlessness, his, his great skill set that other people don't have. No, it's entirely based off of Jesus' work through him and his repentance and coming back to Jesus. Mm. Um, it, it, and it, there's, there's the other part as well. It, it often comes up as, well, how can we trust, how can we trust our Bible? And you would think Peter is the rock on which the church is built, that he is the one uh, who kind of gets gets to be a figurehead in starting the church. Don't you want to describe your, your history a little bit at that yeah, point? Totally. Don't, don't you want to be... Uh, and, then, and then Peter came up next to Jesus and said, I will be faithful to you always. And Jesus looked at him and said, yes, you will. Don't, don't you want a verse like that instead of, uh, by the time the rooster grows, you will deny me three times? Yeah, you know, I... And it really does show sort of the authenticity of the scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the word I was you would say authenticity? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that you know, if you you invest your time into reading God's word, you realize there aren't a lot of great heroes throughout the scriptures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of failure, and the beauty of that is that there's only one true hero in this whole story. Yes, uh, I do. I do go as well. While yes, Peter is not the hero, but what what is beautiful about, especially to bring it back to Luke 22, while we're focusing on Jesus is constantly betrayed throughout, what is something that's so encouraging is that Jesus doesn't stop working with these these people who fail, who mess up, who let him down. As someone who fails and Mm -hmm. messes up and lets Jesus down, uh, it's encouraging to look at the Bible here, which acts as a mirror at times as 
wow, these are the same ways that I betray Jesus. Uh, who is the greatest? I certainly get into competition with other Christians. Uh, I'm focused on things other than Jesus telling me this thing that's for my good and for his glory. Maybe I don't deny Jesus outright like Peter does, but there are certainly times that I might obscure the mm-hmm. Christian aspect of my life around no certain people or when things get hard. Uh, so there's there's aspects to where the betrayals in Luke 22 are, are the same things that I act out, and yet what we see in the midst of this hard night of Jesus' life, that he is constantly loving, constantly encouraging his disciples, constantly showing that he will continue to work through them, constantly giving them promises of what their, their future is going to look like. I, I think of, as he's talking with his disciples, uh, he says, uh, I am uh, assigning to you what was assigned to me, a kingdom. Mm-hmm. This is, that is uh, 22 verse 28 uh, and 29. And then he gives them this promise, you may eat and drink at my table and sit on the thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He says this to them after they ignored his death and they're fighting amongst each other. Or Peter, and I love this verse in it, Peter is about to deny him three times and Jesus says to him, and when he turned again, he doesn't lead with his failure. He doesn't say, you're about to deny me three. He doesn't come down on him hard or anything. His focus is... When you come back, mm-hmm. when you believe in me again, strengthen your brothers. I'm going to continue to work through uh, through you, mm-hmm. even after you let me down in this very visible way, in this very famous way that's going to be recorded throughout history in all four of the Gospels. I'm still going to work through you. Yeah, that's that's a really great point, Zach. I think it's really important for us to to catch these themes that are about a God who loves us, right? Mm-hmm. A God who who uses who's big enough to use us us basically there's yeah. a character actually in in chapter 22 that we don't spend a lot of time talking about well maybe you could miss him pretty easily and that's satan um seems like as you said earlier before we hit record that satan's all around the last week of jesus's life mm-hmm. that's a really interesting observation i don't think we give ourselves to enough thinking about that does that make sense? Yeah, we see uh, Satan earlier in Luke. Is it chapter four with the temptations of Jesus, uh, where we see him uh, physically there in front of of Jesus, tempting him, and then he's he's not he's not readily visible in the story. That that's not he was defeated. He had a retreat. He has to mount a defense uh, or an offense against Jesus. Like he's still been behind the story this whole time, but he becomes a much more visible presence. In Luke 22, it starts off verse 3. Verse 3, yeah. yeah. Then Satan entered into Ju- Judas, called Iscariot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he is part of of this uh, temptation, this this leading, this prompting of what was already in Judas. Uh, we, we, already, we see elsewhere in the Gospels that he's already got this capacity of betraying Jesus, and Satan heightens that as he goes to create this plan to, to turn... Jesus over for for money. And then verse 31, uh, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, talking to Peter, uh, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat to see if it's genuine faith or not. But even this, this is is the verse that I loved. Uh, This man is about to betray him. And Jesus responds, but I have prayed for you Mm -hmm. that your faith may not fail. Yeah, that's super interesting. It's interesting that the two people that satan really goes after is peter and judas Mm -hmm. which shows you you know we know from sort of reading about judas he was pretty important character of the 12 he carried the money Mm -hmm. 
He was sort of the the bookkeeper for the whole adventure, mm-hmm. right? Um, what else do we know about Judas? Uh, so, I mean, in Luke, we don't have much more. Okay. Uh, we're, we're told about him as the disciples are listed. Uh, Luke is not one for dramatic tension, apparently, in this part of the story. Yeah. Uh, as he's listing the 12 disciples, he ends with, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So mm-hmm. we know right from the beginning. Uh, John, uh, in particular, focuses a little bit more on Judas. We we know the detail that you gave us about him being a treasurer. We know the detail about him being a little bit light-fingered mm-hmm. as being a treasurer, uh, that he was stealing from the money bag. Uh, we know from uh, Matthew, and then you, you were saying also in Acts, that, that he ha- shows some sort of contrition. He, he's he's regretful. He's he's We don't know if it's genuine repentance, but he is... He's, uh, upset with his role in turning Jesus over, and he wants to give the money back. He he wants uh, to uh, to make amends in some way for what he's doing, and then following that, he goes and commits suicide. Where, whereas Peter, we see him uh, his his response to to betraying Jesus as he weeps bitterly. We see contrition, and he genuinely re- uh, just responds with repentance and it's this this difference of the two they both are so tied to jesus death they they they're both crucial figureheads of of that being the cause one ends up going down a route without forgiveness and repentance and the other one is the rock on which the church is built yeah i think that's really interesting as we think about this sort of week of uh jesus's life and these scenes that we're watching and understanding um that judas doesn't go the route in which Peter does in mm. the end. And I think that's hard for me to understand. Like, they both betray Jesus publicly. Mm-hmm. Judas hands him over. I think that's a pretty, with money. Yeah. So he's the instigator to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Judas ends up, you know, committing suicide and being left in a field, which they name the field of the blood eventually yeah. outside of Jerusalem. And it's just hard for me to get my head around, like, what's the difference? Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's and it's hard to really to to really say what that might be. All we have is the details in the text. Like mm-hmm. you might you might wonder, uh, is is one of them. Uh, is one of them told to have a different sort of background? Well, we see a little bit that that Judas might not be as sincere through John's account, but I mean, he's been traveling with Jesus for three years. He sees all the miracles. He sees the love that Jesus poured out. So I, I don't know that that I'm comfortable saying he didn't sincerely believe. Uh, is it that Jesus treats him differently here at the the end? Uh, I don't think that's true. Uh, as as we I keep going back to verse 32 as as the beautiful picture of of Jesus' love for Peter. But all throughout this chapter, in the interactions that Jesus has with with Judas, there is love being shown. Mm -hmm. Uh, He says, the hand of the one who's about to betray me is at the table. Um, That is, uh, is it verse 21? Um, Yeah, uh, Luke 22, verse 21. Uh, So he knows Mm -hmm. that Judas is about to betray him, and he doesn't call him out right there. He doesn't, like, make a spectacle of it. He doesn't say, go get him, uh, uh, to his disciples. Uh, he, he's acting in a loving way, even though he knows what's about to happen. And when Judas shows up uh, to betray him with a kiss in the garden, uh, Jesus speaks in a very calm, measured, even tender way. Verse 48, Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
he, Jesus is constantly loving, even to this man who is turning over to his death. And so I, I don't know what it is that, that Judas has that, that uh, would cause him to decide to go down this route. Maybe it isn't uh, lasting repentance. Maybe it's more just uh, the bit of regret of, of seeing the actions rather than seeing Jesus and wanting to turn to him. Uh, but what we have in the text is that, that that I think is a more beautiful picture is that Jesus knows what's about to happen. Judas is handing him over to his death. And all throughout this chapter, he speaks to him lovingly and kindly. And, and as we go from that, then the, the question or the question that I had is if we can look at Judas, who is synonymous with traitor, who is absolutely betraying Jesus. Jesus is is dying. The, the chief priests and officers needed someone like Judas. He is dying because of his role in this. And yet he's so loving to him. Mm-hmm. And if Judas couldn't do anything to stop Jesus from loving him, I mean, what could we possibly do? That's right. That's the most important part of the text. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the whole story is that Jesus seems to be still in control and seems to be still compassionate Mm -hmm. in all he's doing even though he's going through the worst week of his life yeah yeah that that was the the point that i was making all throughout this passage we see betrayal Mm -hmm. and and when we think about when we're betrayed and the sad reality is it's not uh this is how we might respond if we've been betrayed we've all been betrayed right someone close to us has has not been loyal or disappointed us or let us down or hurt us in a way that only someone close to us could be in those moments, it's not the sting of pain that we feel, and then we get over it in a day or no, we carry it, mm-hmm. and it impacts how we relate to that person. It impacts how we relate to all people, unfortunately. And yet, what we see Jesus betrayed by everyone close to him in this passage, and yet he responds to every single one of them with love and care and kindness and mercy. Mm-hmm. Yep, wonderful, wonderful, Zach. Now, you know, as we think about sort of this week of holy week and all the things that are coming up we get um in the text i know that there's palm sunday that's a traditional Mm -hmm. we have easter we have good friday as we wrap up luke as well what are the things that you think you've have learned that were surprising to you in this season you know i ask this question every time you're here so what's what's surprising to you about sort of as you've journeyed through luke and your study that sticks out to you yeah, so I have a couple that uh, are going to take too much time to to really, really flush out. Uh, the The couple that come to mind, uh, Lucas, uh, Luke's gospel, as Jesus is teaching it, is really focused on the response of how we live. Mm. Uh, more so, I think, than, than any of the other three gospels, there's this call of how we are to live because of Jesus. That, that's been a real, real big focus. And uh, my my upbringing was in an evangelical church, and, and uh, it was in the personal relationship for Jesus, and that's what saves. And that 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 is absolutely true. But we so focused on uh, this is what believes you, you are saved by grace, absolutely. But we we always kind of stop short to the the so what aspect. Mm-hmm. Luke is really focused on what does the life of living in response to Jesus look like? Yeah, writers have called it. The kingdom ethic. Yeah, that's right. What does it mean to live in the kingdom? Yeah, and that's that's all throughout. Uh, the other one, and and I don't have time to to show all my work here, but it's one that really 
kind of stuck out to me today, uh, how important light is in mm. the Gospel of Luke. That's an interesting one because you think John usually is the great guy who writes metaphors yeah. into these words. That's right. Um, but but even even when it's not specifically light, but light sources, mm. uh, in the midst of all this darkness that, that Jesus is going through, uh, it is when day came in verse 66 mm. that they're all gathering around. You, you get, even in this uh, this this time when the sun is breaking through, it's still this really dark moment. Yeah, it, It's just interesting how, how you get these pictures of light that are, that are played in a, in a couple different spots of Luke that I find kind of curious and interesting. Yeah, and that's just an encouragement to all of us that like that stuck out to Zach this time through Luke. As you read the Gospel of Luke, there's going to be times where th- different things are going to stick out to you, mm-hmm. different seasons where you're going to see things in the text. That's why it's living and active. That's, That's why right. the Lord is still working through it to convict and guide and to show how much he loves us. And so, and that's why we read in community. That's right. Because you might read a piece that maybe I think, oh, I've already learned that, but mm-hmm. your freshness of coming to that uh, is, is what sharpens me. Or maybe you come across something that I've never thought of that way. Uh, and so we, we sharpen each other as we read it together. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting... I have never I have never read Luke and thought light. Mm-hmm. But I can sort of see how that could work because in the in Acts, the, the Holy Spirit takes that into a different realm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the, the light shining forth going from... You know how we, we talked about this early in Luke where everything's heading towards the cross in the gospel, Luke, and everything's heading out out of the cross in the book of Acts, mm-hmm. right? So I could see how that could be a really interesting read as you read the gospel of Luke to yeah. sort of find those nuggets. Yeah. Think about those things. Again, I, I'm bringing it up like I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Luke 23 to preach yeah. it uh, this, cool. this upcoming week. And, and one of the areas uh, Jesus talks about um, uh, from from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God in the power of God. The, this glory image, glory has this like radiance aspect, which is often portrayed as light. Mm-hmm. And then it's that's who Jesus is. It's he's given a picture of his glory, and then he's mocked uh, with a source of light, a source mm-hmm. of radiance. Uh, later on, when after he's before Herod. Um, Verse 11, they arraying him in splendid clothing, this yep. picture of radiance, this picture of light that they're using to mock him who is of all glory, of all power, sitting at the right hand of the power of God. So it's just really interesting uh, it, uh, that you get these little these little nuggets playing off each other. Yeah, totally. And it's also very interesting that we come to the last week of Jesus' life, and I think there's some characters that historically everyone sort of knows, mm-hmm. like Judas. Who's the Judas character? That's a cultural thing. Like most people know who sort of Judas is. Yeah. Most people know who Peter is in mm-hmm. some way, historical fact. And then some. Most people know who Pilate is. Yeah. Does that make sense? So you're as we approach the end of like these are some very historical moments that have. Um, these individuals' lives are on display for over 2,000 years, which is sort of amazing to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and, uh, again, to go to that that piece that you see throughout Luke 22 of how Jesus works through imperfect people, uh, all three of those people that you named, they are historical figures that people throughout history have known uh, because of their failures. Pilate is the one who gives the order for Jesus to be crucified. Uh, Judas is the one uh, who betrays Jesus over to his death. Peter is the one who is who promised to go with Jesus to prison, to the grave, and the first opportunity he gets, he denies him. Uh, you know these figures for their failures, and yet they are the ones that Jesus shows kindness and love to. Peter is the one through whom that he, uh, he is going to start his church. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter is... Uh, one of the most famous figures in history, uh, despite being one of the biggest failures in history. Yeah, and I'm sure as you read this last week, post-biblical canon, how does Peter die? Uh, so the the story is that he is sentenced to be crucified, but did not see worthiness to being killed in the same way as his Christ, as his Lord that he had denied, and that he uh, did what he needed to to avoid a death at that same day that Jesus did. Uh, and so he has to be crucified upside down. Yeah, that's amazing. What a story. What a story. Thanks, Zach, for stepping in today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Man, if you have questions or concerns, you want to talk about what you're learning through Luke, don't hesitate to talk to Zach on the Thornton campus. You can always email him here at Calvary as well, or always write us at theweekly at calvarybible.com. We love to hear from you. We're just so thankful that you're tuning in and over to this, this Passion Week narratives, mm. these these amazing moments, these those very historical moments, these very important moments, that you take some time, slow down, ponder this great story, think about where you would play a part in this story, who you are, is sometimes one of the best questions to ask um, when you're reading these texts. And more importantly, and the most important thing is that we see Jesus glorified and Jesus on full display on who he really is with all the shining glory and light that comes with it. That's all the shining glory light comes with it. Calvary, we'd love you. We're praying for you. Let us know how we can pray for you. Like always, you don't want to miss out what's happening in your neck of the woods. Go to calvarybible.com. There's so many great things happening before the Easter weekend. We got egg hunt. We have good Friday service. We also have our, Easter services on all three campuses and you do not want to miss stepping into community and reading this text as a community to understand all that the Lord has for us in this season. Right, Zach? That's right. All right. Thanks everyone. Have a great week.